Słowa everyone, Słowa Bogom and welcome in the 13th episode of Searching for the Slavic Soul. My name is Magdalena Lewandowska and today I'll be talking about the topic discussed in a post published on Vitya's blog around a year ago. If you're familiar with the blog, feel free to listen to today's episode or not to listen, it's up to you. If you want to listen, today we'll be talking about vampires and other human-born Slavic demons and uh, we'll be talking about how not to make them and why not to make them, because the why is also very important here. So if it sounds interesting, keep listening. So, vampires. Demons, let's go. Uh, the reason why we are discussing vampires and human-born demons is pretty much the same as always. Uh, as always, in Vitya Project, we are trying to dissect the Judeo-Christian from the pagan in the Slavic tradition, uh, particularly in the areas such as morality, ethics, way of life, way of believing performing rituals and looking at the world in general. Uh, in the previous episodes, we talked about why those who think about abandoning Christianity should not be worried about chaos or lack of ethics on the Slavic pagan path. Today, we will talk about pretty much the same, just from a different perspective, from a perspective of vampires and other human-born Slavic demons. Before we get to the Slavic demons, we will have to circle back to the Judeo-Christian ideas we are trying to dissect today. In the last episode, we were talking about all the, you know, quote-unquote traditional <laughs> Christian values uh, that are apparently so very important for humanity to follow, because, you know, according to most of the critics of modern way of, way of life, Without those values, the humanity will just cease to exist and chaos will be allowed to run rampant and consume all our civilization and everything. Or at least this is what we are keep hearing all the time. I mean, maybe we all don't hear it because, you know, with all the content filters on social media, some of you might not hear it, but those of you who want to listen or people who have every now and then happen to listen to politicians or political or social commentators, we do hear it. Uh, it's being said and repeated all the time. It's widely spread belief that we would all be better off if we embrace the traditional values which are sold as, you know, universal and humanitarian and but really it's all just all religious preaching taken straight out of the Bible and rebranded and rephrased to sound universal and humanitarian. Anyway, because I'm digressing again, uh, anyway, one of those, you know, allegedly super important and super universal and super humanitarian values or rules is to love others like you love yourself or in a different version, do unto others as you would have done unto yourself. And you know, at the first glimpse, it makes sense, doesn't it? It sounds absolutely legit. It sounds like it's a very helpful rule. 
because the world, as we are informed and told all the time, the world is full of narcissistic personalities and egocentric, selfish people who would not want nice things. And you know, in this world full of uh, narcissistic personalities and egocentric, selfish people who would not want nice things being done to them. In the age of selfies and self-image and all this stuff, it's obvious that people are in love with themselves, right? So if selfish, narcissistic people start treating others like they want to be treated or start loving others like, like they love themselves, it's got to be for the best, right? Well, as it turns out, it actually is, it actually is not right because it looks like people don't love themselves that much and they don't do nice things to themselves either. If you look at the statistic of suicides and homicides, wherever you look at whatever country of the world, people kill themselves more often than they kill others. If you look at the statistical data provided by WHO, Every year, globally, around 450,000 homicides happen. So every year, nearly half a million people decide to kill another human being on purpose. Not by accident, not by you know, omission or mistake, but on purpose. Every year, nearly half a million people come to conclusion that they have to or should kill somebody else after you know coming to this conclusion then they come up with a plan which then they follow through successfully obviously the number of successful or well <laughs> maybe not successful maybe successful is not the right word here because you know it sounds quite upbeat but really there isn't anything upbeat about homicides so Maybe I should say, like, the number of fatal, fatal homicides, the number of fatal homicides. So homicides that were thought through, planned and executed in a way that led to achieving the intended goal, which is to kill another human being. So obviously, the number of those homicides is only the tip of the iceberg. There are some homicides that are committed without being detected, so they are not obviously included in the statistics. They are homicides that are thought through, but not planned, or planned, but not executed. There are also homicidal thoughts or urges that are not acted upon. And again, obviously, we don't know how many non-fatal or you know planned or not executed homicides they are, all we know that every year there are 450,000 homicides committed. So that means that every year at least, at least 450,000 people hate other people so much that they actually kill them. If you look at the other end of the spectrum, if you look at the suicides, which obviously are the opposite of homicides, there is actually much more of them. According to WHO, every year 800,000 people kill themselves. So every year, over three quarters of a million people decides that they hate themselves so much that they just have no choice but to kill themselves. And that's not all, because it is estimated that for every successful suicide attempt, there are around 20, you know, quote unquote, unsuccessful 
so non-fatal suicide attempts. Obviously, some of the non-fatal suicide attempts are undertaken by the same people who did not commit suicide in the first attempt. But as it turns out, statistically, it isn't that common to have more than one suicide attempt. So, if the first suicide attempt is non-fatal, most people, 70% in fact, will not try to kill themselves again. So, if for each suicide there is 20 attempts of suicide, and if many or even most suicide attempts are not done by the same people, there are like several millions of people who hate themselves so much that they actually trying to kill themselves. And that is also only the tip of the iceberg. Because people who hate themselves don't only commit suicides. A suicide is like the ultimate act of self-hate, but there are also other ways in which people express self-hate. Some people don't commit suicides, like, you know, in one go or in one act of killing themselves, but they kill themselves, so to speak, in stages. So not in one go, like it happens in a suicide attempt, but slowly, one drink or one dose of a drug at a time. So those people, and there are literally like hundreds of millions of them, if not a milliard of people like that, people like that, they don't hate themselves enough to kill themselves, but they hate themselves enough to regularly hurt themselves and abuse various substances that are slowly and gradually, but surely killing them. And WHO statistics illustrate it clearly. For example, every year, three million people die from consequences of alcohol abuse. 275 million people use psychoactive drugs and 450,000 dies as a result of that. And those numbers are only deaths. The statistics of active alcoholics or people addicted to other harmful substances are even worse because, thankfully, not all addicts die. Some of them get better. But still, there is a lot of people who want to kill or seriously hurt themselves much more than there are people who want to kill or hurt others. So, we really should be grateful that people don't follow the Christian ideas of loving others like you love yourself. Because if all the suicidal people and all the people poisoning themselves with alcohol or drugs, if those people suddenly started to, you know, love others as much as they love themselves, there would have been a lot more homicides at least twice as much as there is at present. And uh, personally, I think that the statistical data is really a big credit to the wisdom of general public, because, you know, despite being Christianized for hundreds and in some cases thousands of years, despite being brainwashed and conditioned to believe in the Christian doctrine of self-love, people know better. Despite being told to, you know, love or rather hate others as much as they do themselves, they resist. 
they keep this toxic love to themselves. They contain it and don't hurt others. I mean, they do because behind every suicidal or addicted person, there is at least one human being that gets hurt because of it. But still, most of suicidal people don't kill other people. They, they, you know, they kill themselves instead. I am absolutely aware that I've, what I've just said is a big generalization. I'm painfully aware that addiction or suicidal tendencies is not something that just happens to someone. It is so much more complex, so much more complicated than that. But, you know, for the purpose of this episode, for the purpose of considering the topic we want to consider today, this generalization is sufficient to get the point across. And the point is that people, humans, hurt and kill themselves so much more often than they hurt or kill other humans that it is not, let me repeat, it is not a good or helpful advice to follow the Christian trend of loving others like we love ourselves. And it seems that pre-Christian Slavs or our ancestors, they they knew that. There is not a single piece of Slavic tradition, uh, mythology, rituals or culture in general that would suggest that pre-Christian Slavs advocated or applied any love others like you love yourself rule or treat others like you want to be treated rule. Our ancestors were were smarter than that, and what it seems they advocated is treating others in a way that will not result in you getting hurt. And this rule, this way of thinking, is most visible in the Slavic lore on vampires and other human-born demons, which is exactly the reason why we are talking about vampires today, It took me a while, but I finally got there to the explanation and the reason for the topic of today's episode. We kind of, you know, about demons and, you know, human-born demons. We did talk a little bit about it in uh, the episode 11 of Searching for the Slavic Soul. So you can kind of scroll down and listen to that. But in the episode 11, we mostly talked about the organic not human-born Slavic demons, and the human-born the, the demons, the vampire-type demons, we only mentioned there. So very quickly, I'm going to say a little bit about them. As you must probably know, the world of pre-Christian Slavs, it was full of demons. Demons were literally everywhere. They were in the forest, in the river, in the lake, at home, in the barn, in the beehive, you know, in the, in the sauna, even, everywhere. There were many different types of demons, but on the most basic level, there were two main types. There were the demons that were part of the natural world, so demons or spirits of the forest or lakes or caves or, you know, other places like a natural like places of the natural environment those demons were quote unquote born as demons and lived as demons and they could not be like unturned from being demons so they couldn't just you know be like undemonized and turn into humans or something the the other type of slavic demons were demons that were actually born from humans so 
są vampires, o dziwożony, o południce, nocnice, topielice and many, many other demons. Those demons, they started off as humans and lived as humans until they died. And after death, instead of peacefully passing to Navia, they stayed among the living and continued living, like, you know, quote-unquote living, among the living as demons. And those demons, the, the human-born demons, the demons that were human ones, they were the ones that pre-Christian Slavs were really, really scared of. Because only those demons were actively pursuing, hurting humans. They were actu actually, you know, out there to kill us or hurt us. Because the organic, the non-human-born demons, the you know demons that were part of the natural environment, they were either ambivalent or neutral towards humans. They did not bother people if they were not bothered by people. But the human-born demons, the vampires, the dziwożonas or you know topielce, they were actually out there to kill the living. They wanted the living's blood. They wanted the life. They were after destruction and torturing and, you know, tormenting the living people. The reason why they were like that, it's because they were human ones. And when they were humans, they were not treated right, so they wanted their revenge. Because uh, it actually isn't that easy to become a human-born Slavic demon. In order to become a vampire, for example, a number of things has to happen and they have to happen, you know, to one person. So firstly, you know, in order to in the future become a vampire, you will have to be predisposed to vampirism. So you will have to be born different or have something different about you. This something could be extra teeth or wonky teeth or a typically erupted or developed teeth, or it could be an unibrow or disproportionately big head or some other atypical body shape or type. But all those deformities or atypical looks were only a predisposition to becoming a vampire. Because in order to actually become one, you will have to die and after that not receive a proper funeral ritual. So, in order to become a vampire, your body had to be left to rot, either in a grave or somewhere in the forest, abandoned or forgotten. Because the proper traditional pre-Christian Slavic funeral ritual required the body of the deceased to be cremated. So, like burned on a pyre which became a big problem after the Christianization of the Slavs and after the, you know, standard Christian burial ritual was introduced. The change from cremation to burial resulted in developing of many anti-vampiric burial rituals, which were still practiced and very much alive in the 19th century. So hundreds, hundreds of years after the original pre-Christian Slavic pagans ceased to exist. Anyway, in order to become a vampire, you had to be overlooked and forgotten by your community. So it's no wonder that vampires came back to hurt the community that forgot them. Because, you know, nobody wants to be forgotten. 
Nobody wants to be ignored, overlooked, or just left out there to rot without a proper respectful funeral ritual. And it was pretty much the same thing for any other human-born Slavic demons. Jivožonas, uh, for example, were like, you know, quote-unquote born from women who died during or shortly after childbirth. Poudnice, so another, you know, Slavic demon, they were born from young women who died just before, during or shortly after their wedding. Or rather, they, they were not born, they could be born if the bodies of those dead women were not treated properly and respectfully, if their souls were not sent to Navia in a proper funeral ritual. And, you know, it wasn't any sort of secret lore. The demonology was a common knowledge among pre-Christian Slavs. It must have. Because if it wasn't wildly known and understood, none of this knowledge would have survived to this day. So every single pre-Christian, early medieval Slav knew how to recognize a potential future vampire. Everyone knew what could happen to a woman in childbirth if her body, you know, didn't receive a proper funeral. So really, if the the community, if they neglected to take care of the bodies of the people who were in the risks group of becoming a demon, they could, the society, the community could only blame themselves for allowing the demon to be born. So basically what I am saying here is that our ancestors, the pre-Christian early medieval Slavs, were no dummies. They knew and they understood human nature. They understood the power of anger, fury, wrath, the, you know, the, the need for revenge. They knew it and they were afraid of it. They were aware how evil or how demonic a human being can be and to protect themselves and the future generations because obviously once a demon is born it does not die it keeps existing and tormenting the living until it gets taken care of so until the body receives a proper funeral so yeah to protect themselves and future generations from nasty demons pre-christian slavs told stories they told stories about a boy who was so unseemly that the whole village laughed at him and who came back after his death as a vampire to get his revenge on the villagers. Or they told stories about a young mother who died during childbirth because her neighbors did not check on her to make sure she did not need help. In those stories, stories told by our ancestors, this very young mother came back from her death and as a jivožona, she stole all the infants and left her changelings in the infant's place. And those stories, they became what we now know as Slavic demonology. We read it, we watch movies about it, but really most of us miss the point of knowing them. Because those stories, the demonology of our ancestors, carries a very, very important lesson. The lesson is, don't hurt others, because others can hurt you back. Don't inflict injustice upon people, because the power of their anger and the need of revenge doesn't know the limits of time and death. 
care about your neighbors. Don't abandon them in need and don't forget about them. Don't allow homicides or suicides and if you cannot stop them, at least do everything in your power to respect the dead and show them the way, show the spirit's way to Navia. And regardless of how people look, regardless of whether they have a unibrow or, you know, the teeth are crooked, regardless of whether they are a mother or a deeply unhappy future suicide victim, treat all those people in a way that gives them no reason to come back from the death as a vampire or other demon. Because really, this world, our world, does not need new demons. We have already created enough of them. But, you know, remember, under no circumstances you should love others like you love yourself because statistical data shows that if you do that, you are likely to hurt people more or at least as much as they are already hurting themselves. That is all for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode, even though it's a bit shorter than the recent ones. As usually, do do let us know what you think about it, if there is something that you like or don't like, or, you know, if you just want to give us a shout, you can contact us through our website, which is witia.squarespace.com. Um, you can contact us through our Facebook, uh, Instagram, YouTube channel, or via email, which is witia.squarespace.com d-a-b-o-r-u at gmail.com so once more w-i-t-i-a dot d-a-b-o-r-u at gmail.com and I will as usually link all the contact details in the notes of uh, for this podcast uh, another thing I will link up in the notes for today's podcast is a link uh, an invitation to Radegast Discord server. The reason why I will link this up is because this Discord server is actually a really nice space. Um, it's completely free of nazism, xenophobia, and on top of it is full of practicing Rodnovers who are knowledgeable and they will answer any questions you might have. They also, pretty much all of them speak English. You will also find there plenty of resources in English. I think some other languages as well, but, you know, mostly in English. So, yeah, do check it out. Also, <laughs> what I keep forgetting to mention since, uh, <laughs> since, since the very first episode of Searching for the Slavic Soul, and, uh, you know, we are now on the episode number 13, but uh, hey-ho, never mind. <laughs> well... Anyway, what I keep forgetting to mention is that you can listen to Searching for the Slavic Soul on pretty much every podcast platform. So um, on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and on Spotify and podcasts on Amazon Music and on Stitcher, pretty much every podcast platform you can think of. So, so yeah, now I said it. I was told I'm supposed to say it in every episode, but I keep forgetting so I, I do my best to mention it like, you know, every 13th episode or <laughs> something like that. And uh, I think 
that is it. Um, I think I've said it all. We talk about demons, about suicides and homicides and drug addictions and alcoholism, so all the fun stuff. I invited you to contact BTS Project, mentioned about the amazing Discord server, told you where to find us. So, well, that, that's all for today then. Take care, look after yourself and look after others. Make sure you don't make any new demons and uh, suava. Yeah.